I've always been the black sheep of my family. I was always kind of the rebel, even though not really, because, you know, I was a straight A student. I never snuck out of the house. I feel like it's coded into my DNA. Those ancestors are always with me. I was more attuned to magic before I knew that it was something that we weren't supposed to do. Hello, welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host and producer of the show, Cal Goodball, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. Hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween, everyone. I hope you've got your costumes ready and are all excited for this special day and night, no matter what age you are. There's a deeper significance to the holiday of Halloween beyond candy, though, or maybe you consider this time Samhain, or you're starting your Dia de los Muertos celebrations and getting your candles ready for All Saints Day. We have so many different holidays, with many different names for this time, but what is consistent is the belief in an interaction with spirits who, for a short time, join us. Walking the Earth. In the same way, whether you were referred to as a sorciere, a brujo, or a witch, you maintain practices around spirits. Some witches are more herbalist, using the plant spirits and bodies to heal. Some are more ritual, such as voodoo and hoodoo witches. But nowadays, there are just as many out there who consider witchcraft to be their own personal exploration of spirit. It's not a concept limited to witches. Many religious people find themselves without a church. I'm one of those sort of people, so that helped me to connect instantly with Dietrich, a modern-day witch living in British Columbia. I spoke to her, and our conversation was supposed to be about synchronicity and dreams, but it ended up encompassing a very wide range of topics related to the supernatural. You'll hear her dream synchronicities in a later episode. In this episode, you'll be hearing her talk about herself and experiences she's had around death, spellcasting, and her insight into her roots. I actually grew up all over the U.S. and in parts of Europe because my parents, they were both in the military. Yeah, so I'm still getting used to this area. Like I, I told you, I'm a witch. So witchcraft isn't necessarily religiously affiliated, but for me it is. Um, I began as a Catholic and then wandered over into Baptist territory and then agnostic, and then I was atheist for a while. Witchcraft is very different for different people. I am a solitary eclectic witch. I am not tied to any traditional denominations yes uh, like i'm not uh, uh into voodoo or voodoo or hoodoo or um i can't think of the other one and it's the one that's specifically latino uh santeria yes yeah, santeria thank you <laughs> because those those involve 
an initiation and um, I have a lot of respect for them and the work that they do. But personally, I don't feel a calling to join a group of people and to go through an initiation period. 30 some odd years of my life have been an initiation enough. (laughs) I was researching witchcraft and learning more about it, barely knew at it. I noticed a lot of people, you know, um, turning to the gods. Again, different people see God with different lenses. Personally, I see the gods as archetypes or ideas that have personality. A way of interacting with a force that isn't necessarily a being, if that makes any sense at all. I was looking into different cultures that I'm a part of, technically, researching all of their pantheons, trying to find one that really resonated with me. What happened during this process is that I kept seeing things about Mercury and Hermes everywhere. There were just the wings and his symbol, the little, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a scepter with a snake around it. It's called the Caduceus was all I saw. I was like, okay, I give. (laughs) I'll start with Hermes. Not long after that, Apollo was everywhere. When I was in this process, my mother-in-law, who's an atheist, gave me a UV lamp to help with the sad. Yep. And the brand of it, I'm looking at it right now, is Sun Touch Plus Apollo, and it's got his head on it. That makes a ton of sense because I'm very artsy. I like taking care of people. I'm pretty musical. And for Hermes, I'm doing my own business. So that's very important to me. When the first new moon came up, which is when you're supposed to honor Hermes, I decided to do a spell and ask for his help. (laughs) The thing about that is that Hermes is a trickster god. The very next day, literally everything went wrong. (laughs) We lost electricity in our neighborhood. Our stove and our oven and microwave, they're all electric. So we walked down to our favorite sushi place in our neighborhood, and they didn't have electricity. So we had to go even further to a sushi place that we'd never been before. Well... We also have a bearded dragon, and bearded dragons up here, they definitely need heat lamps or else they die. So before we left, I had wrapped up his tank really, really well so that the heat would stay inside while the lamps were off and the electricity was out. So we go to the sushi place, and we sit down, and we place our order, and I look up, I tell my husband, wouldn't it be funny if when we get back home, the electricity is back on? And then I said, the lamps aren't off. If the electricity comes back on and the lamps aren't off, the lamps are holding these blankets in place. They're going to set those blankets on fire. My husband was like, are you kidding me? And he like ran down the three or four blocks back to her apartment. And sure enough, as soon as he got here, the electricity had just turned on and one of the blankets was smoking. My husband's an atheist, and and when he came back, I said, oh, did I mention that uh, I did a spell yesterday to a trickster god? And he was like, well, that wasn't a good idea, was it? 
One time I was uh, driving up to a music festival and it was my first time going to it and it's in the woods. It's on the solstice. I won't give the name of the festival, but it was a solstice festival. I had picked up uh, essentially two strangers to share the ride up and one of them had studied clowns and he was talking about the clown as the trickster and he kept talking the whole ride about the trickster god, the trickster god. When we get to the campgrounds, I unload my stuff, I take it to where we're going to set up camp, and I unpack my tent bag, and I open the tent bag. Inside the tent bag, which was a brand new tent, which I had just purchased for this, which I had just taken a look and made sure everything was fine, I open it up, there's no tent. There's only the poles. What? I had bought the tent from the store, Opened it up to make sure it was all good, zipped it up, put it in my car, drove up to the campground, opened it up, it's gone. And I kept telling people that my tent is gone, and they kept saying, well, what do you mean your tent is gone? I said, no, it just vanished. It's just literally gone. They said, well, who would take your tent? I told them, no, you're not getting it. No, no one took my tent. It's not even possible anyone took my tent. The tent has vanished. The trickster has got my tent. And they all thought I was just either crazy or making it up or whatever. So I actually made a little sign and the sign said, my tent is missing. And someone gave me some mosquito netting and I just used the mosquito netting. I didn't have a tent. And people would walk by, they'd see me with my mosquito netting there and they go, oh, that's a neat idea. You don't even need a tent. Cool. Far out. <laughs> I've got a lot of my own stories about lots of disappearing stuff. This week, I posted one such new incident on Facebook. You might have seen my disappearing Mars bar story, the candy bar which disappeared and which took a one-hour trip to the Twilight Zone and back, but remained perfectly delicious, or my ashtray which took a longer 24-hour stint in Nowheresville before reappearing in amongst my hats. I've had a lot more weird stories than I could share in one season of this show, and I hope you'll keep supporting the podcast, telling your friends about it. Subscribe to the Facebook page to get all the latest updates. You'll hear more of my weird-ass stories in due time. In the meantime, keep getting in touch with your stories. When I say to tell a friend about the show, I really do appreciate your telling more people because I might hear a story from them, and I have a great time having conversations like this one. Everyone dies, and a surprising number of us manage to leave behind some kind of supernatural message. This next story is about someone who is attempting, through the ways available to him, to pass his message on. But he got some assistance from a ray of sun. When I was in college, it seemed like everybody started dying, like just everybody. And um, it, it continued well into when I was teaching. And that was a lot for me to process. But there were two funerals specifically that uh, were extraordinary. 
One was a man who went to my church at the time. I was still Catholic. I sang in the choir with my family, and he sang in the choir as well. He was in his 70s, and uh, something was wrong with his kidneys, uh, and he knew he was dying. And um, he was a wonderful man. Everybody loved him. He was a good guy. Um, But while he was in the hospital, he sent our choir director who's also the organist, he sent her a complete list of all of the songs that he wanted performed at his funeral. Some people are like, wow, that's morbid. And I was like, well, he knows he's going and he knows what he wants. Yep. And we actually had practices specifically for his funeral as he was dying. There was one song that was his absolute favorite and there was this one member of the choir that he requested specifically to sing the song because he enjoyed the sound of his voice so much. At the funeral, the funeral mass, the song comes up and this man starts singing. The whole day had been overcast, super cloudy all day. And we're inside this beautiful cathedral with stained glass windows and there's an open casket in front of the altar and you can see his face, the, the deceased face. When this man starts singing, a single ray of sunshine comes through one of the windows, lands directly on his face. I'll call him Bob, on Bob's face. That ray of sunshine stayed there for the entirety of the song. And when the song was over, the ray of sunshine went away. That was really, really poignant for all of us. Something we all talked about as Bob's way of saying goodbye and thank you for this beautiful song. If you have a story of a supernatural experience around the death of a loved one, or any other stories you truly can't explain, send them in by getting in touch through Facebook message. A quick link to the Facebook page is by going to www.supernaturalstories.ca. No hyphens or anything. Next, here's another intriguing story from Dietrich about fulfilling final wishes. Another extraordinary final farewell happened when I was a Baptist. (laughs) There was a woman who's very strong. She was uh, in the Marines, retired. She got cancer, and I got to know her really well in her last few months. Just a beautiful, very fierce, strong, determined person. When she died, she wanted her ashes to be put into the Atlantic, because we were on the East Coast at the time, during sunrise. So sun would come up over the ocean and her ashes would go into the water. We met at the beach at sunrise and her widower put her ashes into the ocean as the sun was coming up. And then an entire pod of dolphins came up and broke the surface of the water. We were all floored because I have lived in that area for 15 years. I had been to that beach thousands of times during the day in the morning, in the middle of the night, at nighttime. 
And I had never in my life seen any dolphins that close to shore, ever. It was really beautiful that they came up to kind of say their farewells. It was, it was a really lovely moment. I got such goosebumps from that. You what? I got such goosebumps from that. I know, right? <laughs> we were all standing on the beach looking at each other like, oh my gosh, did you see that? Back in episode four, Death Part Two, I spoke to Jose and she told me a number of stories about her own experiences around her father's death, grandmother's death, friend's death, and her uncle's death. And I can't help but think of her brief story about her uncle, who died of cancer, and when she had a dream before he died, where he appeared to her as a dolphin, swimming away to the other side of the river. Oh, when my uncle died of cancer, I also saw him as a dolphin. I could see him swimming back and forth, going across the river, and then suddenly he went on the other side and he never came back. But it was a dolphin, but I knew it was my uncle. And uh, he also died of cancer. However, I didn't know he had cancer. But I didn't know at the time that he was going to die of it, you know? Beyond that, I've been sent several stories, not dreams, but ones from real life, about animals behaving strangely, especially birds. I'm working on a future episode on the topic of birds and owls, which have a way of spooking us out. Get in touch at www.supernaturalstories.ca if you've got any strange animal stories to share on the podcast. This last part of our conversation is somewhat relevant in light of the recent stories in the news about DNA tests. Dietrich also was interested by her complex web of descendants from Native Americans to Europeans and Africans. Her curiosity led to a few hunches that proved more accurate than most. I see witchcraft and supernatural events from a very scientific lens. If there's a a possible scientific explanation for something, I'd definitely go for that first. And I think our bodies have a way of communicating with us that we can't necessarily consciously hear, but our subconscious collects all of that and or dreaming, it's the only way that, only time that our body can really say, hey, listen to me, there's something going on and I think this is what it is. I actually found out that I had sleep apnea um, because so many of my nightmares were about drowning. (laughs) Because I was literally suffocating in my sleep. (laughs) I'm Puerto Rican, I came from the US, I was actually born in the US. And ancestry has always been very uh, important to me. In the U.S., I've lived in different parts, mainly in the East Coast. As I was growing up, people would look at my last name and they would ask me if I was Mexican. I'm like, there are more than just Mexicans in the Latino population. There are actually a lot of different cultures there. And that, you know kind of makes it hard to ignore that that you're a little bit different from what's expected around you. Um, 
And growing up, I was told by my parents that everyone in Puerto Rico is part Spanish, part Native American, and part African. But <laughs> when I was growing up, I had this strong affinity to Celtic culture. I read all of the Celtic lore and mythology. Even when I was in college and I was a music major, I studied piano and composition. And my composition professor would look at the melodies that I would write and he would look at me and he would say, what are all of these lovely little Irish melodies doing coming out of this tiny little Puerto Rican girl? Whenever I mention these things about, you know, I feel really connected to Celtic and my parents were like, whatever, <laughs> you know, you're just being a dramatic artistic kind of person. I was like, okay, okay. But also growing up, I was very interested in the, the indigenous peoples of Puerto Rico, which were most recently, at the time the conquistadors coming over, were the Taino. When I was in middle school, Google didn't exist. <laughs> we had encyclopedias of physical books. And I remember digging through them to find any information that I could. And usually the Taino culture only had like a paragraph, if that. I would glean every little scrap of information I could about them. Anytime I had an option in a, in a history class to share something about the Taino culture, I'd do a report on them. And a lot of times the teachers had never even heard of the Taino. Now they're much more widely known than they were at that time. The first time I heard someone speak with a Nigerian accent, it struck me to my core. The main feeling that really enveloped me was, this is the sound of home. This is a mother's voice, and my actual mother's voice doesn't sound anything like that. Her accent is very Puerto Rican, but there was a sense that one of my mother's mothers, that was, that was her lullaby, that was, that was how she spoke. It was just very, a very visceral feeling. Last year, my mother, my father, my brother, and my maternal grandmother all had DNA tests. My maternal grandmother is nearly 25% African. The greatest portion of that is Nigerian. My mother and father both have DNA from Ireland. Of course, the indigenous peoples of Spain were the Iberians, and the Celts were nearby, and they combined and made a Celto-Iberian culture. Taino, on my mother's side, uh, she has, you know, for it being 500 years since the Spanish conquest, Taino culture has been wiped out. Well, my mother's got a significant portion of Taino DNA. I think it's an eighth, which for 500 years of generation after generation, that's quite a lot. I feel... Whichever ancestors are guiding me and are reaching out to me and are helping me through everything, I feel like the main players are definitely from the Taino culture, the Nigerian culture, and that Celtic culture. If there's something metaphysical involved, I'm not sure. I can't say. But I definitely feel a deep connection 
to those cultures. Les fantômes aussi, le ciel est tout noir, les nuages sont gris. Est-ce que tu as peur des méchants esprits? Thank you for listening to this episode. It's always special when I get to do a whole show with stories from one person. Nonetheless, It is an understatement when I say that a podcast like this takes a lot of editing and work to put together. I think a show like this needs to exist and keep existing for Canadians to be able to have a place to share our stories of the supernatural. Please enjoy the show, share it with your friends, loved ones, voodoo, hoodoo, sanaria, wiccan, and non-denominational witches, brujos, and sorcieres. The more people who hear about the show, the more stories I'll be sent. So give it out and share the show like candies on Halloween. That reminds me, currently there is a special gourmet Canadian candy reward if you give a certain amount on the Patreon page. But one dollar or more always really helps. This show is funded just by myself, so patrons are able to contribute towards the production through that Patreon site, which is at www.patreon.com slash supernatural stories. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash supernatural stories. Thank you to everyone who's contributing, and thanks to the newest contributor, Kit Cat of Death. Your contributions are helping independent Canadian podcasting to thrive. These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. Music featured in this show is by Matt Maxwell with Say Halloween, Coley Nikki of Krivarivnia with Duda Bagpipes, Babysitter with Witch's Finger, Waylon Thornton with Witch's Hobble, Incubus Succubus with Witches, The Underscore Orchestra with Witch's Brew, Evil Sword with More Witches, and Rue de Prague with Snakes and Witches. The rest were tracks composed by myself, Cal Goodbaum. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting a place for the supernatural in Canada. Please leave a review on iTunes or Google or Facebook if you like the show. I appreciate it. Get in touch with your true story at www.supernaturalstories.ca. Till next time. Oh